The views and opinions expressed on this show are purely the views and opinions of the person who made them and do not necessarily reflect or agree with those of the show's commercial sponsors, its radio station affiliates, or Internet broadcast platforms. As the restriction on our God-given right to free speech manifests itself throughout the world, we are inspired by Jesus Christ's immortal words, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And we reserve the rights to all our words. Thank you, and now enjoy the show. Over you simply find out who you are not allowed to criticise. You are listening to ACH. I'm Andy, your host. Today is Thursday, so it's time for the weekly appearance of my good friend, Dr. Peter Hammond. I'm going to bring him up right now. Peter, are you with me? I am, yes. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you so much, Peter. And folks, what we've got for you today is going to be it's different title, but it's going to be in a similar vein to last week's show, which was the real story of why you should pay more attention to what gets deleted than what gets reported. But today we're going to talk about the real story of how and why the establishment lies to us. So where would you like to start us off today, Peter? Well, establishment does lie to us on so many levels. Uh, For example, uh, yesterday, 16th of June, was uh, Youth Day in South Africa, which we meant to celebrate as some kind of public holiday. And uh, it's it's meant to be something that uh, is uh, gallant and it's lifted up, uh, sort of like Bastille Day, which is also a total lie, is it not? Uh, when they celebrate uh, murdering uh, a whole lot of people who had, under the white flag of truce, uh, agreed to hand over the Bastille uh, under condition of safe conduct, which they promised, and then they beheaded and uh, disemboweled and uh, mutilated them and parade them through the streets and and inside the Bastille were no political prisoners at all just four common criminals so so much for this big 14th of July Bastille day in France which they've built a whole lot of imaginative uh, propaganda around but similarly in South Africa our uh, 16th of June 1976 was the Soweto riots so-called and now they've got a youth day to celebrate it but uh, I happen to have missionary friends of the Dorothea Mission who were right on the ground, experienced the whole thing. In fact, they produced the book Soweto But God, which I found so useful uh, that um, we reprinted it because it was out of print and have made it available as a free PDF book on our Frontline Mission SA.org website. So Soweto, the untold story, is just absolutely uh, incredible uh, the the original book was called Soweto But God, and um, it's, it gives the testimony of Christians in Soweto what they experienced, and what they experienced was an antichrist demonic revolution which targeted Christians, and we're talking about black Christians uh, being murdered, even mothers being murdered by their own daughters, uh, the youth were whipped up, and they said it was a time when the demons are running riot. And to think that this has been turned into something 
glamorized and sanitized and turned into some romantic type of uh, socialist revolution. And yet it was absolutely ghastly ugly. And uh, to get the direct quotes of what happened on the 16th of June and uh, these, uh, it was not a peaceful march. It was not a, um, a protest. It was a violent revolution. And the Soviet Union even uh, accepted this. They boasted about it. And it was broadcast on communist platforms in the Soviet Union at the time, that this was the result of years of subversive work done uh, by the Soviet Union in South Africa, that uh, this is the beginning of the revolution in South Africa. And so intriguing that they took this generation, which they had politicized, they had radicalized, and they turned them into a violent revolutionary mob who could attack their own parents, burn churches, burn community halls, uh, murder people, rip people to death, and even cook and eat missionaries on the sidewalk. This was done not only up in, in Soweto, which is just south of Johannesburg, uh, but also in Port Elizabeth, in townships there in East London, there were some horrific uh, atrocities taking place. And this was described at the time as Soweto's lost generation, these these children who were so radicalized uh, that they would turn against their own parents, their own communities, their own churches, destroy their facilities. And um, the destruction was so immense. Now, the mission that was working amongst them at the time, the Dorothea mission in Soweto, and many of these missionaries that I know personally, uh, put together this excellent book, Soweto But God, and just exposed it. And these people have no political axe to grind. They were embedded in the community. They were there. Uh, they understood the situation. They saw what was coming ahead of time. Uh, they experienced the devastation and destruction uh, caused by this. But again, forget about the facts. The facts must be deleted. What you must do is just focus on the new narrative, which now paints it in some glamorous type of as you've seen about the French Revolution sometimes depicted in very glamorous ways, or even the Bolshevik Revolution. And these were hideous, violent orgies of viciousness and of mass murder. And yet somehow or another, it gets turned into some romantic picture of propaganda, which enters the school textbooks. And what are they hiding? Well, we, we know what they are hiding. So yesterday... Uh, I had the opportunity to meet with uh, Sand Parks, which is the government national parks group responsible for areas like the Rhodes Memorial, which has been closed for the last seven weeks since the absolutely devastating wildfire. So on the 18th of April, uh, we, which is Revolution Day in Zimbabwe, so coincidentally when the Marxist revolution is celebrated as a public holiday in Zimbabwe, 18. Of, of April, which is when Mugabe came to power back in 1980, we had these wildfires sweeping over Rhodes Memorial and uh, the Mostert's Mill, the oldest windmill in the Southern Hemisphere, which was bought by Cecil John Rhodes, donated uh, for cultural heritage to the people of the Cape and uh, burned out the 1.2 million volume library, the Jaggers Library, in the middle of the University of Cape Town, which Cecil John Rhodes also funded. So. We discussed that before, how it seemed awfully coincidental that on Zimbabwe's Revolution Day, uh, and we know how Marxists like to use historical uh, dates and anniversaries uh, for their different events, 
that on that particular day, uh, so much associated with Cecil John Rhodes in Cape Town went up in flames or was surrounded in flames. So here we are, uh, more than seven weeks after the event, and I was uh, speaking to the um, government officials about saying, so what's the report then about the arson? And they started to get super nervous when I mentioned arson. I said, well, they arrested arsonists. What, and there, were, there were multiple fires. No, 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 there's just one fire. But how could it be? And we're standing there at the place where this all happened. I'm pointing out, and you can see plainly, there's the bushfire. And over here is the University of Cape Town. And the fire did not penetrate and breach the perimeter of the University of Cape Town. Uh, the trees are still standing on the perimeter. The outer buildings were unaffected by the fire. The fire was uh, extinguished before getting in there. How does a stone building in the center of the university campus, far from where the wildfire was, how does it get gutted from the inside? And they said, well, um, you know, you could have had a burning bush go through the end. Well, I've been a firefighter. I know that can happen. Not that there was any wind that day, but still. Uh, and we've got the photograph showing the smoke going straight up. There was no wind at all uh, at the time of the fire starting. And so, well, how does a burning, even a burning bush, if it floated over there, how does it get inside a uh, stone building, which was, of course, closed anyway? And the green ivy on the outside of the walls is unaffected. But the inside of this uh, library, which has a lot of precious um, not just first editions, but in some cases, the only volumes of many parts of our history. How does this get burned out from the inside uh, by even assuming a bush floated along and landed on the roof? It's not a thatched roof. It's a stone building with stone uh, roof and, and tiles and all the rest of it. Uh, and uh, uh, they were trying to talk nonsense around me about this. I said, I wasn't a fire brigade. I understand how fires work. How does a bushfire somehow jump half a mile and get inside a library in the middle of a campus built of stone buildings. How is that possible? And uh, they couldn't give an answer. And, you know, again, as we've said, governments tend to lie to us. And uh, just last night uh, at our Reformation Society, we screened an incredibly interesting film, Roe v. Wade. Now, this is a, a major a big screen film, well worth seeing because it it uh, gives us the story about this absolutely uh, scandalous turning point in American history uh, when the legalization of abortion was was passed in America by a Supreme Court decision, 1973. Now this uh, film is a, a major film production, obviously by an independent studio with a $6.8 million budget. And it has um, some well-known stars like John Voigt, who won the Independent Film Festival Award for Best Actor at the Vienna F Film Festival. Uh, this film's just been released in April of this year in America, April 2021. And so Roe v. Wade is a historical drama, and it follows the events that lead up to this groundbreaking Supreme Court case which legalized abortion in America. And uh, it's told from the perspective of Dr. Bernard Nathanson. Now, Dr. Bernard Nathanson was the epicenter of the movement to legalize abortion. He was the president 
of the National Alliance for the Repeal of Abortion Legislation, NARAL. So Bernard Nathanson was also an abortionist. He, in fact, testified that he had performed or had by his staff in his uh, clinics, abortaries, uh, performed 70,000 abortions, 70,000, including on his own daughter. He actually aborted his own daughter uh, with his own hands. Uh, so this is a man who is right in the heart and soul of the pro-abortion campaign. And he later get, got converted and has become pro-life activist. He produced the film The Silent Scream. And so what he's doing here is he's doing a whistleblowing on the deceit and lies on every level of the establishment, from uh, the government, from the Supreme Court, from the media, the mass media, uh, all the way through uh, the medical profession, the lies told in order to legalize abortion and everything about it just built on lie. Now, this film, Roe v. Wade, is well worth seeing. It's uh, interesting. Uh, it's well made. Uh, it's actually on the site. You can see there they are at the steps of the Supreme Court and there uh, in the Capitol building and, and all the different uh, around Washington, D.C. Uh, it, it's it's a, a, a riveting expose of the deceit used and the complicity of the media and government in advancing a cause against the Constitution, against the laws of the land, in order to radically reinterpret everything. Uh, there's nowhere in the Constitution that a mother has the right to kill a baby. There's nowhere that it could grant doctors for any reason to kill a patient. And yet they managed to effectively legalize the killing of babies, uh, effectively on demand for through all terms. And this was a Supreme Court decision that was then forced on all the states in America. So in America in 1973, some states like New York had abortion legalized for some cases under certain quotas and under uh, certain uh, term limits and so on that it could only be in the first trimester and things like that. But from the Supreme Court decision in 1973, all states' legislation against abortion was scrapped as unconstitutional and the Supreme Court basically created law which had never existed. And of course, it is the job of the legislature to create law. It's the job of the Supreme Court to interpret law in accordance with the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, which they did not do. And this is a radical departure from how it's been done. And so to get an understanding of how this came about, it's fascinating to get Bernard Nathanson's insights. And uh, this film is actually explosive because it shows that not just our government lies to us, and the mass media lies, knowingly lies. And of course, we, we, we're seeing in recent days evidence of how uh, uh, so-called Dr. Fauci lied uh, when he knew that masks uh, were of insignificant value in stopping a virus. He is promoting them. When he knew that the uh, virus was man-made and he's claiming it wasn't man-made and it's natural. And when he knew that it came from the laboratory in Wuhan, which he had been funding with American taxpayers' money, uh, he was stating that that's, you know, conspiracy theory. And of course, there you had all these characters uh, happily deleting uh, as fake news um, information which has now been proven to be completely solid and true. And uh, the documentaries that were exposed in the Chinese hand, the uh, deliberate man-made production of this uh, coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, and that uh, its origins in the lab, and all the suppression of it, these thousands of emails have been released showing 
that Fauci knew, that he lied, that he deceived, that he participated in the cover-up with the help of Zuckerberg from Facebook communicating with him to uh, delete any narratives that, or any inconvenient facts that got in the way of Fauci's cover-up. So that you could see that big tech and big government and big pharma and the mainstream media were happy to all be in bed with one another and covering one another's tracks and uh, censoring and deleting and removing anything, any facts that got in the way of the narrative. So uh, back to this film on Roe v. Wade. So fascinating. We've all heard the statistics. In the lead up to the legalization of abortion in America, uh, they uh, claimed that 100,000 backstreet abortions were taking place in America each year, which, in fact, there was no study. Uh, there was no research whatsoever. And this was just, as Bernays said, he just made up that statistic. He thought 100,000 sounded good. And so he sucked that out of his thumb. And the media all took that and repeated that all over. He also sucked another statistic out of his thumb, which was completely impossible. And he knew it was because it sounded good in the motive that 10,000 women were dying of backstreet abortions every year. And uh, this was also a total lie. And then he also sucked out of his thumb, 87% of doctors in America support abortion, which was completely false, and he knew it was, and it wasn't even close to a quarter, but he thought 87% sounded good. Then they also sucked out of their thumb another statistic, which the mass media in America uh, repeated over and over ad nauseum, 67% of Americans favored abortion. Not that any study had been done at all uh, to find this out, but what they did was they were creating a atmosphere where people would want to be on the side of the majority and wouldn't want to be in the minority and most people want to be with that so if you tell them that the majority believe or support this more people are likely to fold so he called it a self-fulfilling lie and he called it lying for the greater good and how they would plant pro-abortion stories in the media and tv and films and they give examples of how they got major sitcoms or situation comedies on tv uh, to introduce abortion and uh, to make make it light of it and to make it a joke and so on and so forth, and uh, how they would introduce it into news stories and uh, ask Hollywood to uh, produce some films that, that would make uh, it more sympathetic about people going through abortion. And of course, they needed somebody to be their test case. And so they found a, a girl uh, who they called Roe, but her correct name was Norma McCorvey. And Norma McCorvey was a runaway uh, she was um, a drug addict, she is a lesbian, and she is pregnant, and they uh, decide to give her the name of Roe and uh, make her anonymous so that she could not be questioned or cross-examined and that people couldn't investigate her backgrounds. And then they claim to be uh, campaigning for her right to kill her baby, to abort her baby, uh, and uh, on the basis that she had been raped. Now, she hadn't been raped, and we know all these things because Norma McCorvey has since come out and said, uh, I was the Roe in whose name NARAL and uh, Planned Parenthood actually campaigned for legalization abortion. I was not raped. And uh, in fact, uh, everything they said to me is a lie and everything that they said about me is a lie. Uh, for example, the lawyers that Planned Parenthood had uh, presented for her to present a case, she asked them, how can I get an abortion? And uh, they said, uh, we don't know. And they said, uh, is there anywhere where you can uh, recommend even backstreet abortion? And said, no, we don't know. And later on, Norma 
McCorvey uh, said that one of the lawyers who had uh, told her that uh, produced her own book, which explained how she had gone down to Mexico to have an abortion before this incident. So, you know, they lied to her on every level. She she spoke about, you know, can the baby experience pain? These lawyers said no, uh, which is definitely a lie, uh, which was, you know, uh, is it a baby yet? No, uh, it's not a baby yet. And uh, that, that comes much, much later. And there's, there's every single thing she said that they told her was a lie. And they said that they would be able to get this court uh, decision through before her baby was born, which was also a lie. So by the time the court case was being heard, she'd already delivered a baby and given it up for adoption anyway. And uh, so the very pretext on which the Roe v. Wade case was built was a lie and everything was fabricated. And But the, the thing that's so shocking about it is not just how the mass media cheerfully accepted um, stories planted by and requests to plant these fictitious statistics and every kind of lie, not just in, in TV films and in news reports, uh, but even in Hollywood big screen films. And, but uh, that, that's shocking enough that the entertainment industry was corrupt and, and complicit uh, as accessories to murder, uh, and the news media was accessories to murder and complicit, uh, but that the politicians were, and well, you expect politicians to lie, but I don't think most of us expect Supreme Court justices to lie. And here's where it gets absolutely intriguing because the Roe v. Wade film shows that two of the Supreme Court justices were married into Planned Parenthood. One Supreme Court justice's wife worked for Planned Parenthood. Another Supreme Court justice on the bench making this decision had his daughter working for Planned Parenthood. And so you would have thought they should have recused themselves under conflicts of interest when it came to voting on the subject. So there's an enormous amount of deceit and dishonesty. And the the Supreme Court justice knew that there was no constitutional basis, there was no legal basis, and they were not justified to create a law that would suppress all the different state laws in the 50 different states in America, because the Supreme Court is not meant to create law. But because of ideological reasons and because of pressure from the media and because of corruption and there was blatant corruption involved. And there was blackmail and there was bribery and there was all kinds of deceit. And knowing what was going on behind the scenes and having this exposed, how many were knowing tools for Planned Parenthood, National Organization of Women now, the ACLU, and uh, uh, these, these conniving individuals behind the scenes who were manipulating the people on the Supreme Court bench uh, to enact their will. Uh, it, it's shocking. But if that's not uh, shocking enough, um, it also shows how there were clergymen and rabbis involved in promoting abortion and were involved in, in uh, bringing about the legalization of abortion. And this perhaps is one of the most disgusting parts of all. So the entertainment industry was complicit. The news media was complicit. The politicians were, were complicit. The Supreme Court justice, or at least most of them, were complicit. There were a few opposing and then there was even members of the church and synagogues who were involved, directly involved. And the film shows, for example, a rabbi selling abortion uh, to a couple that have come to him for, for help and counsel and re referencing and referring them where it's completely illegal. And that uh, this was all the way along a, a 
concerted campaign to legalize abortion, and you had complicity even on people who meant to be churchmen. Uh, so you had priests and rabbis involved in working for illegal abortions and working to legalize abortion and lying to their uh, congregants, lying to their parishioners, uh, lying to people who were coming to them for help. And they were, as I said, we were selling abortion and we were exploiting women's uh, bodies for profit. And Bernard Nathanson said that uh, uh, he made $20 million uh, from uh, uh, aborting babies. And that's by 1970 money. And the, the film has at the end statistics such as these, 61 million babies have been aborted in America since Roe v. Wade was legalized in 1973, 61 million, 40% of which are African-American. Now, that's interesting because only 12% of the population in America are African-American or black, and yet 40% of the abortions are uh, amongst the blacks. So interesting that uh, this is something that the founder of Planned Parenthood, uh, actually Margaret Sanger, has put as a key goal to get rid of the black population who contribute nothing to the economy and who are a burden on welfare and that, in fact, it's cheaper to have an abortion than to have a child support. And uh, therefore, uh, we need to put uh, these Planned Parenthood abortion clinics in uh, African-American neighborhoods and ghettos and so on uh, to get rid of the surplus population, what she calls the useless population. And so interesting to have the racial agenda of Margaret Sanger, founder of Planned Parenthood, brought into this. And yet you have the extraordinary situation of vast amounts of, of black groups and NCOP, the National Council on Colored People and so on, supporting abortion, where they are actually primarily the targets and consumers of abortion. It also has the statistic at the end of the film that $1.6 billion was made by Planned Parenthood in America last year. $1.6 billion, billion with a B. Uh, so absolutely staggering uh, the, the amount of uh, uh, nonsense going on. And it also quotes uh, the key role played by Jews in legalizing abortion in America. And this included Larry Lader. Uh, Larry uh, Lader was quoted seven times by the justices. Uh, they didn't quote any other authority in their decision which legalized abortion. But Larry Lader, who admitted he was campaigning and lying and working behind the scenes, ACLU and all this, uh, in order to bring about legalization abortion. He's the one who recruited Bernard Nathanson into it. And uh, you have the testimonies of, uh, well, Bernard Nathanson said, said he's Jewish, he's brought up in Jewish home, and uh, uh, to him, you know, killing babies uh, was uh, actually not just a way of making money, uh, but it was, and he even had a song uh, about this that he was singing, that there's a fortune in abortion there's a gold mine in the sex line, and uh, the uh, population of the nation will grow if it's up to you, and with a twist of a wrist, and you threw, and he's got this sick song that they used to sing about uh, while killing babies. And he says at the end, I knew life began at conception. I always knew all along that what we were doing was killing babies. And uh, uh, he said, I claimed I was killing babies for the greater good. I claimed I was killing babies because they were unwanted. Uh, but uh, he realized that he had he had been lying to himself. He said, I lied to myself. 
allied to the world, allied to God. Uh, and he realized that he had killed his own daughter. Uh, he had been involved in this disgusting uh, industry and he's come clean. He's a whistleblower. He uh, converted, uh, was baptized in the Catholic Church, uh, something like 12 years after the legalization of abortion uh, in America. And uh, he's written and exposed now what was going on and produced the film The Silent Scream, which documents by ultrasound that what they're doing is killing babies. Now, in America, uh, I had assumed that the government didn't realize what they were doing. But it turns out, actually, they knew all along what they were doing. They knew what they were doing was unconstitutional. They knew it was against the Bill of Rights. They knew that it had no legal precedent. And they knew that it was based upon a lie. They knew that the whole case was riddled with lies. And yet they did it for possibly different motives and reasons, uh, that some were bribed, some were blackmailed, some were ideologically on board. Uh, but what you have here is a failure of government on every level. The media were not the watchdogs they meant to have done. There was no investigative journalism. It was just, as Solzhenitsyn said, the media in the West is speaking with one voice. They, they're echoing the same mantra and chanting the same mantra and often the same words. So uh, a good quote was given from Benjamin Franklin in the film. Those willing to sacrifice liberty for security deserve neither liberty nor security, and they'll lose both liberty and security. And you you cannot uh, continue to support the narrative that's sold to us by the media, uh, where they continue to come out with, this is for the women, and this is for the unwanted children, and this is for the victims of rape and child abuse and so on. This has been proven to be false. In fact, in Poland, they legalized abortion. They, they banned abortion after they overthrew the communists in, in 1990, and uh, solidarity put in just two clauses, that all abortion was illegal except where the mother's life is at stake or in a case of rape or incest. And uh, when I was in Poland just a few years ago, they said to that date they'd never done a legal abortion in Poland since because uh, either those cases are really rare because they haven't had one come up yet in Poland, um, or uh, the person concerned still want to go ahead with the birth. But as far as they can see, these so-called hard cases are so rare that they barely ever come up. And there were doctors in America like the Dr. Everett Koop, the Surgeon General of the United States in the time of Ronald Reagan, who testified that in a lifetime of something like uh, 26 years of uh, being a gynecologist, he had never once come across a case where it was a case of either the mother's life or an abortion. He said that's actually uh, uh, a false narrative because any doctor has two patients when he's dealing with a pregnant uh, a woman and he seeks to save the life of both. Now, if he if he fails to save the life of one, it's not for lack of trying, but you don't deliberately kill one patient to save another. He said he's never come across such a, a case coming up and uh, that uh, this, again, is an emotive, a false narrative in order to use a so-called hard case to justify what effectively becomes abortion on demand. So what we've seen is governments lie. They lie about fires, they lie about history, they lie about law, uh, they lie even about public holidays and the purposes for them. And we should not be surprised that we're being lied to because in the scriptures, uh, we are told not to be deceived. In fact, in Revelation, we read in Revelation 20 that 
an angel came down from heaven having a key to the bottomless pit and a great chain, and he laid hold on the devil, Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and put a seal in so that he should deceive the nations no more. And that phrase is used several times in Revelation, also in Revelation 12 verse 7, and war broke out in heaven, the serpent of old, the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. Time and again, we read in the Bible about the devil deceiving the world. And we read uh, warnings about do not be deceived. And there's many commands to uh, God's people, do not be deceived. And so obviously there's a great danger in us being deceived. And we're living in a world of deception. And therefore it's absolutely vital that we know the truth and the truth will set us free. It's absolutely essential that we know the truth of history to recognize the lies of propaganda and indoctrination. And we need to study God's word in the Bible so that we can be freed from the deceptions of the world and the flesh and the devil. And politicians lie. I mean, I think we've got to just take this as a fact that you can tell that a politician is lying because his lips move. And even when they die, they lie still. And I've heard it said by somebody that it seems that the only good politician is the dead one because when they're alive, you hear about nothing but scandals, but the moment they die, you suddenly hear from all quarters what a wonderful person they were. So uh, it would seem from observation that uh, only when they die do you start hearing good things about these politicians, because while they're alive, they're just a bundle of scandals. And we should recognize Satan is deceiving the nations. God is truth. God's word is truth. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Education teaches you how to think critically. But indoctrination teaches you what to think. And this ability to think critically is becoming less and less common. We are being subjected to the greatest flood of misinformation and disinformation and deceit and propaganda in the history of mankind. And we need to have critical minds and we need to question everything. In fact, under the duties required in the Ninth Command, the Westminster Larger Catechism lists the duty of preserving and promoting the truth the duty to stand for the truth and to do so from the heart, the duty to speak the truth and only the truth in matters of judgment and justice, the duty to speak the truth at all times, the duty to study and practice everything true, noble, lovely, and of good report. And also in the Westminster Catechism, under the sins forbidden in the Ninth Command, the Westminster Standards includes the sin of giving false evidence, which is throughout the whole of the Roe v. Wade um, incident of how they legalized abortion in America, the sin of lying, the sin of concealing the truth, the sin of misconstruing intentions, the sin of exaggerating minor faults, and the sin of perverting the truth to a wrong meaning. So we are plainly living in an age of deceit, and we can tell we're being deceived. And they're now even talking right now about replacing the COVID lockdown with a, with a climate lockdown. There's a Senate in America is actually campaigning that when the uh, lockdown of uh, of COVID comes to an end, that we replaced with a, a climate lockdown to prevent people flying, driving, moving uh, because of the so-called propaganda of global warming. There's no end of things we've been lied to. You just think of whatever is the primary thing being screamed about in the media, whether it's racism or whether it's uh, uh, the latest things on sexism or transgenderism or LGBTQ. If you agree with the world on the major issues, then Satan has deceived you. Because the Bible says that the whole world is being deceived by Satan. Propaganda 
the calculated manipulation of public opinion to serve political and ideological interests is pervasive. Propaganda aims to do other people's thinking for them. Propaganda has moved into prop agenda, not only controlling what we think, but how we think and what we think about. And if you don't support privileges for perverts and you're a homophobic, narrow-minded, hateful bigot, and Islam is a peaceful, intolerant religion, and if you dare suggest that it's violent and intolerant, you're mean, intolerant, Islamophobe, and you may receive death threats or worse. And if you don't accept the politically correct fairy tale for grown-ups evolution, then you're unscientific. And a whole lot of time and a whole lot of nothing made everything, from goo to the zoo to you, from mud to monkeys to man. If you demand evidence of these unproven assertions, or if you advocate intelligent design, then you're an ignorant, unscientific fool, and you're too dangerous to allow as a teacher or lecturer in a government school or college. And if you oppose abortion, you're against women's rights. And if you insist on calling the killing, if you call it the killing of a baby, you'll have to be prosecuted for hate speech. It's a product of conception, a POC. We need to refer to termination of pregnancy, South Africa called a TOP, uh, not aborting the baby. It's just a TOP, just, just uh, removing the product of conception. If you insist on equal rights for unborn babies, then they say you are anti-choice and you should expect to never be promoted or appointed to any senior position in government hospital. In fact, you may be prosecuted. We've had people prosecuted in our hospitals for simply saying in a council to a patient, life begins at conception, abortion kills babies. Just for that, doctors have been disbarred, uh, lost their jobs in an age of universal deceit. Telling the truth becomes a revolutionary act. That's what George Orwell said in his book, 1984. And so now we've got all kinds of new speak and thought control. And it's what uh, Walter Lippmann described as the art of democracy requires the manufacture of dissent. And he wrote the book, The Manufacture of Dissent, of Consent. The manufacture of consent is the job of the mass media, where they give people the illusion of democracy by getting people to conform to whatever the will is of the establishment, which is why Karl Marx said the first battlefield is the rewriting of history. And as we said last week, you must pay far more attention to what is deleted than what is published. And so just think of what the cancel culture's war against civilization has been doing and just what they are deleting and what posts of yours get deleted or what videos get deleted, or what facts in history are sealed and why do they need to seal documents relating to famous people and to pivotal events in history, sealing them for 30 years, 60 years, even 100 years. And uh, there's no doubt there's a war against history. There's a war against truth. There's a sinister suppression of free speech going on today. We're facing a new inquisition. Truth seems to be the new hate speech. And there's a tremendous power and oppression. And there's so much conformity being forced on people. Disinformation and deception are dangerous. And being contorted to conform to the official narrative is unacceptable. And uh, we need to uh, be straightforward about standing up for the truth, studying the truth, knowing the truth, believing the truth, and being highly skeptical of what we are told by the establishment. Professor Jan Hus, rector of Prague University, declared, Vincit omnia veritas, truth conquers all. And he was condemned and burned at the stake by trumped-up illegal trial that violated all the safe conduct he'd been guaranteed by the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire. And Jan Hus observed, you can burn my books, you can burn me, 
but you cannot burn the truth. Truth conquers all. And I think that's why your program begins with the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. Wonderful information, as always, or rather presentation. It's quite sad, the information that you presented, of course. And folks, we're going to be including a link to the um, trailer for the Roe vs. Wave movie. It's very new, I believe. It's only come out this year. Uh, so you can have a look at that in the show post at andrewcarringtonhitchcock.com. But the other thing I wanted to bring uh, hand back to Peter with is what I did, a little experiment here. You're not going to be surprised at the outcome, by the way. I went to Google and I just typed in Roe v. Wade movie. Now, the first website result is the Wikipedia page. And the second one, it's from The Guardian. And I'm just going to read you the headline and the opening. Roe vs. Wade, an anti-abortion film of staggering ineptitude. Right-wing faces, including John Voight, Stacey Dash and Tommy Lauren, join forces for a shoddy new drama purporting to tell the truth behind a major ruling. And so you can see how this has been cherry-picked to the top of the Google results. And it goes back to what you said about um, Solzhenitsyn when he said that the Western media speaks with one voice. Anything you'd like to comment on there, Peter? Yes, well, not surprising because this film exposes the mass media's willing, knowing involvement in promoting deception to deceive their readers and therefore the voters and to bring about a revolution in legislature. So no wonder uh, they would be wanting to cover up um, their own crimes and their own bias and prejudice and censor, uh, because many people turn to look at, well, what does Wikipedia say? And that might decide whether they watch the film or not. And so, you know, amazing that they do that. And yet the, the absolutely out-of-this-world praise that they can heap on some pathetic, perverted piece of filth and defiling dirt that Hollywood churns out. And, and they'll gush with praise for how brave it is when somebody promotes perversion and things like that. So, you know, honestly, uh, if anyone takes Wikipedia seriously, uh, they just need to look at examples like this. Then see the film for yourself. Look at what the Wikipedia says. And that should be enough to decide us that Wikipedia is not a source to ever discover the truth. But it's a great way of telling what lies the establishment want us to believe. Back to you, Andrew. Yes, indeed. And the other thing that, because uh, you've touched on with these vaccines and what have you and all the lies out there, you know, I've known for many years that we were living under deception, but it's never been as overt and as great as this. Um, we're in a situation where they're just desperate to get these so-called vaccines into people's bodies and they're using <clears throat> everything they possibly can. Now, the latest in the UK is that they're apparently going to announce and they're going to make it mandatory for care home staff to have vaccines. Um, we also hear that they're considering making it mandatory for NHS staff to ha have vaccines. Now, I was listening to the Ted and Austin Brower show yesterday that also goes out on the Rents Radio Network. And uh, Austin uh, made the comment, or reported rather, that I think 117 medical workers, nurses, what have you, in a hospital in Texas had said that they're not going to have the vaccine and they have been suspended from their jobs without pay. So they've taken the 
matter to court and the judge has ruled that it's perfectly acceptable for the hospital to demand that they have the vaccine and if they won't have it then they can be fired. And so we're seeing all this going on. They're absolutely desperate to get this thing into our bodies. And I always pose the question, when did your government last do something for your benefit, folks? Okay, Uh, And so there's something here that really is quite sinister. We know what these doctors, uh, alternative ones that you won't see on the mainstream media, again, for some reason, they've made all sorts of ghastly predictions as to what can happen. We know already that many people have uh, been injured and died as a result of taking the vaccine. And that's on the figures that the government have reported themselves. And we know that they like to underplay those figures. So going back to the book of Revelation that um, you you said, Peter, that uh, it repeatedly says that Satan will deceive the whole world. Could this be what we're witnessing now with the vaccinations? What are your thoughts? Oh, definitely. Um, You just go to Revelation 13 and we see a warning of one world government with a one world economic system and a one world interfaith religious system where all dissent is to be crushed and uh, even with death penalty, and everyone must have the mark. And if you don't have the mark of the beast, you will not be allowed to buy or sell. So this is extremely disturbing when you've got a a, a government that's moving towards a one-world government, a one-world economic system, one-world interfaith system where you've all got to believe the same thing and no dissent is allowed, and you've got to get some kind of mark or you won't be allowed to, in this case, travel. Uh, but it's so disturbing this should ring alarm bells and set sirens going off in anyone's mind and heart uh, when you see any government and they're uh, trying to force you to get some toxic untested a uh, dangerous substance into your body which isn't even a vaccine it doesn't meet the definitions of vaccine it's a dna altering uh um, experimentary drug so basically people who are allowing this vaccine to be put into themselves are taking part in the biggest medical experiments in history. You know, it's affecting hundreds of millions of people worldwide, and nobody knows what the end result's going to be. We already have reports of people uh, being sterilized effectively by the vaccines. There's a lot of people in Africa have been sterilized by previous Bill and Melinda Gates type of vaccines meant for different things. So there's high suspicion of that. And now you've got major airlines like Aeroflot in Russia and the Spanish airlines saying anyone who has the vaccine is not allowed to fly on their airlines because there's been so many cases of blood clots leading to strokes and heart attacks in people who've already had the vaccine. And this is most prominent amongst young men. And by young men, I mean men under the age of 40. And young men have a 25 times greater chance of getting blood clots after they've had the vaccine. Uh, So uh, this is off the charts. And there's been, in Europe and Britain alone, thousands of cases of people dying since taking the vaccine. And so this is extremely disturbing. If you think of how they would pull a pharmaceutical product for just a a couple of deaths and sicknesses or an entire uh, range of motor vehicles or of uh, uh, tablets and uh, uh, communications, computer devices, when there's uh, some uh, problems. And now somehow thousands of deaths, hundreds of thousands of injuries uh, from vaccines is Nothing to see here. Don't worry about it, folks. Keep going. Uh, come and get your jab. We'll give you a free donut or coffee or whatever. And it's, it's stunning. The American government under Biden has put $2 billion into advertising to promote the vaccine. $2 billion into advertising to promote the vaccine. Now, that's staggering because if it's so life-saving, 
And if it's so safe, why would you need to advertise? People would be lining up to get it voluntarily. And now they're trying to threaten those who don't want to get it. Why would a government put billions of dollars into promoting a vaccine when there's so many people's businesses have been destroyed who gladly have some of that money to help them out of the damage caused by the government lockdown? So back to you, Andrew. Yes, indeed. It's all the... I've never seen such a campaign in, in history. You know, when you look at it, the, the all the different tactics get you through bribery, get you through coercion, get you through fear, um, get you through shaming you that you'll be a danger to others. They, there's like all the sort of marketing tricks they've rolled into one to try and essentially, you know, tap into the minds of everyone out there. You know, some people will, yes. will, will, will accept a bribe. All right, we'll give them a bribe. Some people... Are a bit nervous. Okay, we'll play on their fear. Some people, you know, worry that they might infect others. You know, or oh, we'll play on on the fact that that can happen. Um, which it, you know, it, it's 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 astonishing. I've never seen anything like it. And this is why, for me, it's um, it really is of biblical proportions because, yeah, yes. I've not seen anything like this in 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 my lifetime. Um, and I I can't think back to. You know, previous years when we've seen things, because you know, Peter touched on, for example, uh, the French Revolution and the Bolshevik Revolution. Now, these would have been absolutely horrific for the people that, that suffered and the millions of people that were, were tortured and, and killed and all that. But they were unique to those particular countries, France and uh, Russia. But what we've got now is, is a worldwide operation that is goes absolutely like clockwork. The same things happen in South Africa as they happen in the UK and in America and all that. It's, it's all like it's, it, they're running it. You can tell it's being run centrally and that's why everyone's following the same lockstep. And as soon as you get someone like, um, an example, Lukashenko, the uh, president of uh, Belarus, and he came out and said, you know, this coronavirus, just drink plenty of vodka and things like that and go to the sauna. And he's been absolutely pilloried. They tried to overthrow him. All these different things because he's one of the cogs in the wheel that's not going along with it. And that can't be allowed to happen. Um, this has been... Dr Lorraine Day has, has made the comment that previous things like swine flu and SARS, all these different things, were literally trial runs for what we've got now to see where the holes were that they need to plug with people. And I think that this is the op that they've been planning for decades. I think that they've had the so-called vaccinations for a long while, uh, that they've been wanting to get into people's bodies. And this is the excuse that they've used to do it. And in order to get it done, they needed to have this full control of media, world governments, uh, and what have you. And that certainly seems to be the case, Peter. Your thoughts? Yes, you're quite right. What we're seeing is, I think, the greatest global deception operation ever, the greatest medical experiment ever. You've seen the greatest threat to freedom of speech and freedom of expression and freedom to dissent and freedom of association ever. The greatest threat to our freedom of religion, freedom of worship, freedom of conscience ever. Never before has anyone, not even Stalin and Mao Zedong combined, managed to close as many churches for effective operation, as this COVID lockdown propaganda panic-mongering has managed to do. And I know missions and Bible colleges which and churches which have not undertaken a single outreach in the last 15 months. Absolutely staggering. 
mean, unprecedented, uh, unjustifiable. The threat to every one of our rights, as guaranteed by Magna Carta or the English Bill of Rights of 1689 or the American Bill of Rights or even the South African Bill of Rights, or it, it's the worst threat to freedom, to the economies. The damage done to economies worldwide is just absolutely incalculable. But this, when they speak about a great reset, what they're talking about is a great revolution. It's just another word for revolution. The great reset is a communist revolutionary ploy where they are, in this case, using a virus as the smokescreen and medical dictatorship as a, a, an avenue to gain greater control for the state and, of course, a great erosion of freedom for people and to suppress dissent. This is extremely serious. And, and just again to remind ourselves of how governments lie. I mean, remember in the 1960s, you were going to run of all, all fuel. There's going to be no petrol left in the world by 1970, and all the cars would run dry, no planes could fly. And in 1970s, well, it was a new ice age coming, and uh, uh, they're going to be ice skating on Lake Victoria and the equator. And uh, then suddenly, in the, uh, now when you got to the uh, 80s, what was the big thing? Was it acid rain? Acid rain's going to destroy all the crops. There won't be any crops left in the world. Then there was the ozone layer. We're all going to die of skin cancer because of aerosol cans, which are destroying the, the ozone layer. Year 2000, well, of course, there's going to be Y2K. Every computer's going to stop at midnight as it turns over to the year 2000. Every plane will crash. Every car will stop working. No water. Remember all these things. And then in the year 2000, they start saying, oh, we're going to have uh, global warming and there's going to be no ice at the ice packs by 2013. And by 2013, every city in the world is going to be underwater uh, because the, there'll be no ice uh, at either of the poles and we'll all be swamped in underwater deep and so on and so forth. And none of these took place. Every one of these panic-mongering world events uh, failed to come about, but they all succeeded in eroding freedoms increasing taxes and accumulating more power, not just to governments, but to world bodies like the United Nations and World Health Organization and so on. So we need to understand governments, the establishment, the, the one world, new world order, the new world disorder, whichever you'd like to call it, they need crises and they will manufacture or exaggerate crises or they will advocate uh, uh, solutions to the crises, which are often worse than the crisis itself. And the end result is less freedom for you, more power to them, and more of your taxes going to feed the establishment and this whole new world order apparatus. We need to see the big picture. We are being systematically lied to, and they've now come out of the closets and the basements, and this is as blatant as it can be. This is the biggest lie of our lifetimes. Here they are uh, telling us, you've got to get this vaccine or you're going to die of this virus. Well, I'm one of the people who've had the... Had the uh, virus and I've survived and everyone in my family has had the virus and survived and uh, that include members of my family who immunocompromised, my wife fighting cancer, my son who had a kidney transplant. We we were genuinely concerned for them at the beginning because they were immunocompromised. They had the virus and recovered. None of us had to stop doing our work and carrying on. It was it was worse than average flu, but it was nowhere near as bad as tick bite fever or malaria, which we've had multiple times, which is normal in Africa. You don't stop your life and kill the economy uh, for a virus. Uh, we don't. In Africa, we have a couple of million people die of malaria every year. It doesn't stop us living in Africa and working. You know, there are these real threats, and malaria is a bigger threat and a far more unpleasant thing than coronavirus. But to get everyone so panicked over a virus, even a man-made virus brought up in a, a Chinese uh, 
biological warfare laboratory, uh, still uh, the panic has to be so great that people will take this vaccine. Why do they want us to take the vaccine? Why are they putting so much money into this? Why is it such a panic mongering when the virus has turned out to be nowhere near as deadly as so many other things like tuberculosis and malaria and everything else that's around the world? Uh, why this virus? So you've got to assume that what they're wanting with this vaccine is to compromise your health, maybe to change you. There's talk and there's documentation about a goal to make us transhuman. There's a movement of those who are saying the world's depopulated because now we've got artificial intelligence coming in uh, where they don't need so many uh, slaves and peasants working in their factories because they've got AI. And the way it's going now is to control the rest of us. They need to get people to be transhuman. And this DNA-altering uh, vaccine, which isn't a vaccine, but it's an experimental DNA-altering uh, mechanism that they want to inject in their bodies, is obviously super important for the goal of the globalist. And for us to willingly uh, subject our bodies to this is insane. We've got to just look at the track record of the people who do it. I mean, just consider Bill Gates. Bill Gates with his Microsoft, did they not manufacture viruses to infect people's computers so that they could sell to us the antivirus software? I mean, that's documented, that's known. Uh, so in the 80s and 90s and so on, was Bill Gates not part of the uh, create viruses uh, that you have to get the antivirus software and upgrade to new this, that, and the others? Well, now he's promoting vaccines. Hmm. You know, uh, interesting because he's a eugenicist who's on public record saying he wants to reduce the world's population to under 500 million. Now, what are you meant to do with the 7.8 billion people on the planet? That's a bit ex excess. Well, isn't it interesting, the eugenicist who wants to reduce the world's population dramatically is the main promoter of vaccines, which are meant to extend our life expectancy and improve our health. How can we believe that the people who run the pharmaceutical industries that make billions of sicknesses really want to improve our health and extend our life expectancy? There's a conflict of interest and there's a clash in this narrative that just doesn't match up. And so we've got every right to be super skeptical. And certainly we should be saying no, under no circumstances will we take any experimental DNA altering so-called vaccine. Uh, forget it. Whatever happened to our bodily integrity and our freedom of conscience. And so uh, let's say no and let's join the resistance. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you so much, Peter. And before we go, can you please let the audience know where they can find your work and how they can contact you? Certainly, my email is peter at frontline.org.za, peter at frontline.org.za, and our website is www.frontlinemissionsa.org, frontlinemissionsa.org is the website. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for all you do, Andrew. We are so grateful uh, for your program. It's vital that we have alternatives because we know we're being lied to by the establishment media. We need to support all who are working to bring out the alternatives. And uh, this is our lifeline because it's the truth that sets us free. Thank you so much, Peter. Wonderful, wonderful presentation and research as always. Uh, you have been listening to the real story of how and why the establishment lies to us. I want to thank all of you for listening. I want to thank Peter for joining me today. Peter and I will be back with you at the same time next week. But until then, folks, have a wonderful day. And bye for now.